This is the Behind the Line Podcast, coming to you from the wacky left coast capital of Seattle. News from the Pacific Northwest, the left coast, the U.S., and the world that matters. The stories the MSM won't talk about. Deciphering the truth through all the lies. For more, visit BehindTheLinePodcast.com. Well, as most of you in Washington probably know, the Washington legislature is in session and a whole new slew of laws to try to take away your gun rights and limit law enforcement are back on the table. It seems like that's all these Democratic legislators can do is look for new and improved ways to limit your rights and limit the rights of the people who are supposed to enforce the law. Here's one you're really going to like. Senate Bill 6095. This is an act relating to establishing clear authority for the Secretary of Health to issue standing orders. The secretary or the secretary's designee who must be a department employee may issue a prescription or standing order for any biological product, device, or drug for purposes of controlling and preventing the spread of, mitigating or treating any infectious or non-infectious disease, or threat to the public health. Any such prescription or standing order is issued for a legitimate medical purpose. Who decides what a legitimate medical purpose is and what right does the Secretary of Health have to tell us that we have to take a biological product? See, they are just setting this up for the next pandemic, the next one. They see what they got away with on the last one and this is going to just make it so they can quickly enact these rules that you have to take a vaccine. Before issuing a standing order pursuant to the section, unless the secretary or secretary's designee determines that doing so would result in a delay that is likely to endanger the public health, the secretary or the secretary's designee shall solicit and consider the recommendations of the local health officers for the geographic areas to which the standing order will apply and... In the discretion of the secretary, the secretary's designee, stakeholders, and persons with relevant knowledge. Of course, that's up to the Department of Health, the Washington State Department of Health, who has relevant knowledge. And, you know, if it's a danger to public health, they don't even have to talk to anybody else. They can just decide to do it. And here's where your decertification of the sheriff comes into play. If you're in a county where they say you're going to get vaccinated and the sheriff says, we're not enforcing that, we're not helping you enforce that, well, you're a decertified sheriff and we're just going to put someone in there who will do what we say. I mean, this is some serious 1984. They have no right to tell you that you have to take any kind of medical product into your body. My body, my choice, right? You get to decide what the best course of medical care for yourself is. This bill even goes so far as to say the secretary or the secretary's designee can dispense and administer 
the product, device, or drug pursuant to the standing order. Administer means to directly apply a biological product, device, or drug, whether by injection, inhalation, ingestion, or any other means, to the body of a patient. Biological product means any of the following when applied to the prevention, treatment, or cure of a disease or condition of human beings. It's funny because the vaccine did none of those things, correct? Prevention, nope. It did not stop you from getting it. Treatment, nope. It's not really a treatment. And it's not a cure either. It may have helped somebody fight. And in exchange for that, you got a bunch of other medical problems and conditions by taking that thing. All these heart problems, all these sudden deaths, anybody with any common sense whatsoever knows exactly where that came from. <clears throat> Biologic product, biological product refers to a virus, a therapeutic serum, a virus. They can give you a virus. How's that sound to you? That's the first thing on this list. A toxin, an antitoxin, a vaccine, blood, blood component or derivative, an allergenic product, a protein or an anagulous product, an aspermine, a derivative of aspermine or any trivalent organic arsenic compound. Deliver means to actually constructively or attempt to transfer from one person to another a biological product, device, or drug, whether or not there is an agency relationship. And then it goes through some other things. And then for use in the diagnosis, cure, mitigation, treatment, or prevention of a disease in human beings or other animals, or to affect the structure or any function of the body of human beings or other animals. To affect the structure or any function of the body of human beings or other animals. Folks, does any of this sound like you should be participating in it? Like you would allow the government to do these things to you? It won't be up to you. They're going to pass this bill. They get to have standing orders, and they're going to tell you that they're going to do this to you. And they're, they're laying it all out right here, and I doubt most people are even aware of this bill. To affect the structure or any function of the body of human beings or animals. This is wrong on so many levels. They have no right to tell you that you have to have this stuff put into your body without your choice. There's all kinds of studies and statistics now since the pandemic that show the vaccines were ineffective. That natural immunity was better. All these conditions and side effects that have happened... And yet they are still pushing this agenda to control us, to kill us. You need to contact your senators and tell them to vote no on this bill. They have no right to force you to do this stuff. This is something you decide with your doctor if it's right for you or not. This is not something you tell everybody they have to do.
we've already seen what kind of chaos ensues, what, how much damage it causes jobs and businesses and services being limited because people aren't going to go along with the program, whether you pass this bill or not. But I'm sure they feel like it's going to be easier to force you to do what they say when it comes to the next time when disease X makes its way around and it's coming. You know it is. Just say no, folks. Senate Bill 5905, an act relating to certification, background checks, and training requirements for sheriffs, police chiefs, marshals, reserve officers, and volunteers, amending various RCWs, reenacting and amending various RCWs, and creating a new section. So basically, well, Section 1, the new section, the legislature finds that to further enhance accountability, promote public trust and confidence in law enforcement, and increase community safety, sheriffs, whether elected or appointed, police chiefs, marshals, and reserve officers, must meet the same standards for background checks, certification, training, and other provisions of Chapter 43.101 RCW, as are required for all other peace officers, and the use of volunteers must be prescribed. Well, I was a reserve for a number of years at several different departments, worked as a provisional, which is a paid reserve. And I can tell you that reserve officers already go through background checks, the same exact hiring process that regular police officers go through. So that part in and of itself is a bunch of, you know, that's already being done. The part about the police chiefs and sheriffs, I don't know. I mean, I would assume that somebody is doing background checks on these folks, but that's fine. Do a background check. They need to be background checked. A lot of these police chiefs are appointed because they don't have to even be a police officer, which this bill would change that, which that is one part about this I'm glad to see because I've worked for a police chief who was never actually a cop, and he had no clue. This will require those folks who get appointed by a city, a mayor, a city council, whatever, as a police chief to actually attend the police academy and get some police training, which that, that should have been required all along. Sheriffs are, is an elected position, and here is my hang-up with this whole bill. The sheriff will also be required to go through police training if they don't have it, which is fine. That's good. That should happen. But this bill, not only with sheriffs, but any position within the police department, this bill will allow the Criminal Justice Training Center to review anything they they view as misconduct. Okay. This is a state bureaucratic organization. Even if it's run by police, it is a state bureaucratic organization. They will review misconduct or whatever they view as misconduct by the police, by the sheriff, by the police chief. And they can decide to issue punishment or decertify any officer, any sheriff, any police chief. Well, we elect the sheriff. 
And if they decertify the sheriff, they can appoint somebody to fill that position after he's decertified until the next election. This is a problem. The sheriff is elected by the people. We cannot have the state coming in and saying that they feel like the sheriff has done some kind of misconduct. What, what if it's the sheriff refuses to enforce laws that violate our rights? Like, I know there are several sheriffs in the state of Washington who have said they won't enforce some of these ridiculous rules, because they're not laws, that our legislators have come up with during COVID, trying to limit our access to firearms, so if the state sees this and decides they don't like the way the sheriff is not going along with the program, they can just come in and decertify the sheriff and remove him from office and put somebody in there who will do whatever they say they want him to do. I don't think we want this type of bill passed. The other thing this is going to do is if a police officer or any officer gets into trouble they're also going to look at how the city or county or state handled punishing said officer. And if they decide that it wasn't enough punishment, they will also issue a separate punishment. Whatever they deem to be just. So, in essence, you could have these guys getting into trouble for something. And being punished twice for it. If you were in court, you can't be prosecuted twice for something. That's called double jeopardy. I feel like this should be the same sort of thing. You should not be being punished twice. There should be one punishment, and that's it. And you shouldn't have some state organization, some state liberal organization deciding what these punishments are going to be. It should be, most of these departments, if they have an internal problem, they have a neighboring county or city investigate most of the time. Sometimes they don't. They should be determining what the punishment is, and it should be transparent. But you, We do not need the state and all its liberal wacko politics coming in and making these punishments and deciding and why anybody would want to work as a police officer now, knowing that this could be a possibility. You've got the state hanging over you all the time, dangling your certification in front of you, and all these forms of punishment. You know, they've made it easier to sue police officers. They're taking all these rights away from cops because of a couple bad police, mostly in other states. Look at crime around us right now. It's, it's through the roof. It's getting out of hand. They're releasing all these people back onto the streets. They're not prosecuting people. And yet they're continuing to go after law-abiding citizens' rights and the people that are supposed to enforce the laws. All these Democratic legislators care about is criminal rights, and that is it. Well, here's another good one that's actually being heard 
today. Senate Bill 6009, an act relating to prohibiting the use of hog tying by law enforcement. The legislature finds it is imperative that our criminal justice systems, including the law enforcement profession, must secure public trust and ensure accountability. In order to do so, the legislature finds that it is important to discontinue practices and tactics that dehumanize and create unnecessary risk of harm and or death to the people they serve. Additionally, it is important that law enforcement is using up-to-date tactics that come with adequate training from the Criminal Justice Training Commission to ensure continuity and oversight in the standards applied across the profession. This includes tactics that comply with the model of the use of force policies put forward by our state's attorney general. You know, Milk Toast, Bob Ferguson, Sideshow. So this is saying that officers can no longer hogtie an officer, which is when you have somebody handcuffed behind their back and you put this little cord around their ankles and connect it to the handcuffs to keep their legs bent, you know, back. That in and of itself is not going to kill somebody. The fact that they're whacked out on drugs could could, if they were in that position, face down for too long, I suppose. But this is something that, you know, has happened a couple times across the entire United States where somebody's died in custody and there's more to it than just the fact that they were in that position, right? But of course, our Democrats here in Washington love to grab these stories and sensationalize them and run with them and make all these laws to change what cops can do. Of course, these people have never been police. They have no clue what it's like to deal with these whack jobs on the street that go absolutely berserk, you know. How do they expect these officers to control these people? Well, I'll tell you what they say. Use de-escalation tactics may include, but are not limited to, using clear instructions and verbal persuasion. There are just some people you cannot verbally persuade. I know this is something that liberals just can't get through their head when it comes to anything from law enforcement to going to war. I mean, that's all they ever... You're just going to talk to them about it. Well, that doesn't work with everybody. That's just real life. Talking doesn't always do the job. Attempting to slow down or stabilize the situation so that more time, options, and resources are available to resolve the incident. Creating physical distance by employing tactical repositioning to maintain the benefit of time. One officer to communicate in order to avoid competing commands. Requesting and using available support and resources such as a crisis intervention team, a designated crisis responder, or other behavioral health professional or backup officer as well. Crisis officers won't go to violent people without police. And you've actually already seen a couple who have in the Seattle area and get killed. You've also had officers call for a crisis intervention team in King County and no one shows up. No one answers the phone. Are we just, and this was a guy on the freeway tying up the entire freeway. Are we just supposed to sit there and wait for 
eight, ten hours till somebody answers their phone or shows up or we come up with some kind of means to take care of the situation that some politician who has no clue what the hell he's talking about decides it's okay, who isn't working a nine-to-five and having to deal with traffic every day and trying to get home to his family, trying to pick up his kids, trying to get his kids to sports, trying to do any number of things we all have to do that these idiot politicians don't, and they only work you know, a couple months out of the year, and they all live in their big houses and their nice areas, and they don't deal with traffic and all this other crazy, insane people that the rest of us do. Less lethal alternatives include, but are not limited to, verbal warnings, de-escalation tactics, conducted energy weapons, tasers, well... I don't know if you ever watch the videos on TV, Police Activity, YouTube. That's a good place to go. They hardly ever work, and I've used them a number of times myself. They hardly ever work. It's got to be just the right circumstances. They, they can be effective, but many times they don't work. If they're wearing layers of clothes, they're not going to work. Devices that deploy mace batons and beanbag rounds okay well seattle's taking those things away from their officers maybe they'll get them back since this would be a state law i don't know they need to have those options for sure but it's ridiculous to say that officers can't secure somebody so that they can be safe and giving people space and time I've seen this a number of times at some departments where they decide to pull back because somebody's too dangerous or they don't want to, you know, they don't want to get involved because of all these rules we already have, right? Because of all the liability. <clears throat> and then these people end up hurting somebody else, you know, or causing a bunch of more damage, a bunch more chaos. It just gets strung out. That stuff that never should have happened if they had just dealt with it in the first place. But because of these politicians, they can't. They can't do their jobs. And the last section of this bill. This act is necessary for the immediate preservation of the public peace, health, and safety or support of the state government and its existing public institution and takes effect immediately. Of course, this hasn't been passed yet, but it's going to, guaranteed. The immediate preservation of public peace, health, or safety. Do, what about the rest of us? What about the rest of us who are just going about our day and some wacko comes out, you know, strung out on drugs, running around naked. This happens multiple times a day, every day, in every big city in this state, whether you realize it or not. These crazy people, homeless Mentally ill, whatever it is, criminals, every day, disturbing the peace, showing up in people's houses, showing up in somebody's house at six in the morning, naked, a complete stranger. These things happen all the time, whether you realize it in your little bubble or not. I am well aware that this is happening 
every day. What about our peace? Do these politicians care about your peace? About your ability to walk around safely and not have to worry about being accosted by some nut job on the street that they've given all the rights to, that can't be removed, that can't be evicted, that can't be dealt with? Do they care about your peace? Your safety? Your health? No. It's just the criminal. It's always the criminal with these liberal Democrats. They get all the rights. You get to bend. You get to put up with it. They're not doing their jobs. It's their job to protect the general public. Not these specific parts of the general public, like criminals and the mentally insane and the minority of liberals who want all these weird policies enacted on the rest of us. Well, also in the state's ever pursuit to make criminals feel better about themselves, they're also changing the term early release to earned release time for people in jail. And Senate Bill 1798, I'm sorry, House Bill 1798. This is in relation to the term of sentence of an offender committed to a correctional facility operated by the department may be reduced by earned release time in accordance with procedures that shall be developed and adopted by the correctional agency having jurisdiction in which the offender is confined. The earned release time shall be for good behavior and good performance as determined by the correctional agency having jurisdiction. This is just what we need, you know. People that actually make it to jail now are going to get released early. I mean, they already had this, but this is increasing the amount of time. So listen to this. An offender is qualified to earn up to 50% of aggregate earned release time if he or she is not classified in his offender who is at high risk to reoffend, as provided by subsection 4 of this section, is not confined pursuant to a sentence for a sex offense, a violent offense, a crime against persons as defined, a felony that is domestic violence as defined by RCW 10.99020, a violation of RCW 9A52025, residential burglary, a violation of or an attempt, solicitation, or conspiracy to violate the RCW 69 in reference to manufacture delivery of possession with intent to deliver methamphetamine or a violation of or an attempt, solicitation, or conspiracy to violate RCW 69 in relation to delivery of a controlled substance to a minor, has no prior conviction for the offense listed in this subsection, participates in programming or activities as directed by the offender's individual reentry plan as provided by RCW 72 blah 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 to the extent that such programming or activities are made available by the departments, has not committed a new felony after July 22, 2007 while under community custody. 50%. Okay, so it's a nonviolent person, supposedly, or whatever they determine. 50%. We have these sentencing guidelines for a reason. If they're in there for that, then apparently... They needed to be in there for that. They deserve to be in there for that. They are being punished for something. They don't deserve to get 50% off their time.
This is if, is if they're even lucky enough to make it to jail because a prosecutor actually prosecuted them, because a judge actually convicted them, or a jury convicted them, or a judge actually sentenced them to the appropriate sentence. All these chances, all these ways out, so they can get out and reoffend again. Do you have any idea how many people are running around with warrants, felonies, misdemeanors, they're on community supervision, they continue to reoffend? We're talking about sex offenders, violent crimes, we're talking about property felony crimes. You may not think that that's a big deal because it's a property crime, but somebody got their house broken into, somebody had their stuff stolen, and it affected them. It could ruin them. If you don't have the money to replace your property that was stolen to fix the damage that was done, it could ruin you. Does anybody care about the victims? Because we don't ever seem to support the victims in this state. We make the criminals the victims, and they get the support. Why is that? All these people running around with warrants that can't be booked when the cops find them because the jails won't take them because the prosecutors or the city councils or the county councils or the mayors or the county executive has determined that they're not going to allow cops to book people for certain crimes, whether they have warrants or not, whether they reoffend or not, whether they're up to no good or not. Every night, numerous people are just caught and release, caught and release, caught and release. Go turn yourself into the jail. Go turn yourself into the court. Do you think they do? They don't. If you had any idea how many of these people are running around who should be in jail, reoffending, because politicians won't allow cops to enforce laws, I think you would be shocked. It just blows my mind that people are okay with this, but I guess until it happens to you, you're just going to continue to support these, feel sorry for these criminals and think that you can just talk to them and talk their problems out. I'm sorry, this has to start back when they're kids because by the time they're adults, you're not fixing what's wrong with them. You're not in the 99.99% of them. So all these little liberal programs about talking people's feelings out, and you don't think these criminals know how to work those systems because they sure as hell do. They know exactly how to work that system to say what they need to say to get out and reoffend. Wake up. And House Bill 1062, an act relating to the use of deception by law enforcement officers during custodial interrogations and adding a new chapter to Title 10. This one blows me away. Yes, police officers can lie to you during an interview in order to get you to tell the truth. Things like saying, we have you on video, we have 
witnesses who put you there. We have so-and-so that ratted you out or told us. Yes, that happens. It has to happen. I've been, I have done many interviews and interrogations. I was certified in numerous types of criminal investigations, drug investigations, child sex offense investigations. This is a necessary tactic to get people to tell you the truth. Especially when it comes to the more heinous crimes like sex offenses and murder. And of course, some idiot Democrat wants to take this ability away too. New section. A statement made by a person during custodial interrogation conducted by law enforcement officers presumed to be inadmissible if the court determines that the officer intentionally engaged in deception in obtaining the statement and the statement was made in relation to the to an investigation of a misdemeanor or a felony or in the case of a juvenile an allegation that the person being interrogated committed an act that would constitute a misdemeanor or felony if committed by an adult the prosecution may overcome the presumption of inadmissibility if it proves by clear and convincing evidence that the person's statement was voluntary and not made in response to the officer's use of deception i mean you just don't understand this if you've never done interrogations but i i urge you if you disagree with this to go watch any of these shows where they show cops interviewing murderers and sex offenders and gang members and everything, drug dealers, go watch. There is a slew of these videos on YouTube that show raw video of these interviews. It is a necessary tactic to get these people arrested, to get them off the streets, to protect the public. This, this is insane to me this, that this is being considered. This is, these are people that have no clue what has to be done to convict these people. People don't just roll over when you bring them in. People don't just admit that they killed someone or molested a kid or raped somebody or any, any slew of things. You have to be able to put pressure on them. You have to be able to use deception. Yes, yeah, sad fact, but you do. Again, the bottom line here is you've got a bunch of Democrats giving all the rights and chances to a criminal. Protecting them, giving them every opportunity to get out of whatever they've done. The level of naivety <laughs> that's, that these politicians have that people that think this stuff like this is okay, like any of this stuff that I've talked about today is okay. It's insane to me. How can you be this naive? They passed that bill last year about people saying, you know, if they have drugs in their pocket and say they didn't know it was theirs or didn't know it was there, that that's okay, that that's, that's, that's inadmissible now. The, the level of stupidity 
why they go so far to protect all these criminals offending against you. Maybe it hasn't happened to you yet. But they're sure going to make it easier for it to happen to you in the future. Is this the kind of society you want to live in? One where criminals have all the rights and they can tell you you're going to be vaccinated whether you want to or not. They're taking all the options away from cops. They're making it difficult for them to do their job. They're making it difficult for prosecutors to do their job. And they're just giving these criminals every which way to continue to commit crimes. You really need to ask yourself why that is and why we keep voting these politicians in office and why they're not held responsible when these people get out and reoffend, which happens all the time. You see it all the time. This guy had 40, 60, 70 previous felonies, arrests, and he's on the streets throwing some old lady down a staircase, beating some old lady up at a bus stop, hitting some dude in the head with a hammer on a bus. They're not held responsible. Why is that? They've made it easier to sue cops civilly and make them held responsible for things that they determine they've done wrong. I think the same thing needs to happen with these judges and politicians. Their immunity needs to be stripped and they need to be held civilly responsible at a minimum, if not criminally, for laws they pass that let these people back out to reoffend and kill or harm people. Because I guarantee you, if they were to be held civilly liable, could be sued or criminally liable, that this stuff would stop. These ridiculous laws would stop coming because they wouldn't want to be held liable and they should be held liable. This stuff has to stop. We have got to send a message at the polls this year. We cannot continue down this path. When it comes to gun control laws, there's a whole slew of them that they've got being heard. Who knows which ones will proceed. I'm not going to go through every one of them, but... Oh, man, it's ridiculous. Of course, they want to, they have proposals to ban guns in more public places, such as parks, zoos, libraries, transit stations. Yeah, you can't ride, they don't want you to ride public transit with a firearm. Have you seen the things that go on in public transit? They want a gun permitting bill where you would be required to buy, to have a, some type of license to buy guns. They want to stop the bulk sales of firearms by letting dealers sell a maximum of one gun to the same person in a 30-day period. 
They're looking at a statewide, I think, 11% tax on all ammunition, kind of like the one they enacted in the city of Tacoma. They want to pass a law that if you don't report your firearms stolen or lost within 24 hours, that you can get a civil uh, fine of $1,000 for not reporting it. If you have an FFL and you work out of your house, the state wants to require you to put cameras in your house that they can monitor or and or come pull the, the video for at any time because they're gonna they want to require FFL dealers to have cameras videotaping everybody who comes in to buy guns. So it's one thing if you have a business front if you have a storefront somewhere and you're doing it but a lot of these guys work out of their house so literally they would be required to have cameras in their home that the state can either monitor or come get the video footage at any time and review in your home the other part of that ffl bill would require dealers to carry at least a million dollars in general liability insurance and would require dealers to demonstrate compliance with licensing requirements in writing. I'm sorry, but you know, you can imagine how much that insurance costs. Probably enough to put a lot of these small FFLs out of business, which is the whole point of the Democrats trying to pass stuff like this. The crazy thing about all these laws that they've passed and they're trying to pass is that they don't do anything. I'm sorry, they don't, because you know what? Criminals don't go to the store. They don't go to FFLs. They don't comply with your laws. These laws only affect law-abiding people, not the ones committing the crimes. And I've said this a thousand times. You need to address the criminals. There needs to be harsh punishment for criminals. And you need to address the mental health problem that this state has and other states have which is what leads to most of these mass shootings. Crime and mental health. Until you deal with that in a reasonable manner, these things are going to continue to happen. I don't know what it's going to take for people to realize that passing these laws that law-abiding people follow, all you're doing is making criminals out of the people who follow the law. Crime has continued to go up, even though they've already passed a bunch of these laws. Why is that? Hmm. You should ask yourself. You should use a little bit of common sense. Pull your head out of, your, out of the sand and think about that for a minute. Liz Berry, the one who is the sponsor of most of these, among other Democrats, in relation to the tax on ammunition, she said the tax was for the privilege to use ammunition. The privilege. It's not a privilege, lady. It's, it's actually a constitutional right, uninfringed. The second right, actually. That's how important it was. It's not a privilege. 
again, the level of naivety that goes along with laws like this that politicians try to pass and the people who support laws like this is just incredible to me. That you actually think these things work. That somewhere in your brain you think that criminals follow these laws, that this is going to stop them from doing what they want to do. I, it's mind-boggling. Like, you have no common sense whatsoever. You have no sense of what is going on in the world around you, out on the streets at night, right outside your door. No sense of it at all. It just... It's baffling that there's this much stupidity in the world. I, I don't get it. But again, I, I urge you, I implore you to go on the Washington legislative website and look these bills up and testify, or at least you can just click a link and send a quick email that you don't support these things. It does make a difference, uh, locally at least, to do that. And so I just implore you to take a few minutes out of your day or once a week and just take a few minutes and send a few emails and just at least let them know that you disagree with these things. So they're not just hearing from these people who support these bills, who don't have jobs mostly and have nothing better to do with their time than try to enact a bunch of laws on all the rest of us. We've got to take the time to stand up for our rights because nobody else is going to do it, especially in this state where these idiots have the majority. It's up to you. for listening to the Behind the Line podcast. If you like this broadcast, please like and share it. Please follow us on Facebook, Rumble, YouTube, Twitter, Truth Social, Telegram, Gab, Parler, and LinkedIn. You can find our podcast at BehindTheLinePodcast.com, NetNewsNetwork.net, and on Anchor, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and anywhere podcasts can be found. Thank you for your support.